Hello and welcome to Following the Rules. This is a podcast about the rules shaping UK and EU financial services and the people responsible for understanding and implementing them. Because in one of the world's most regulated sectors, following the rules isn't always easy. I'm your host, financial journalist Lucy McNulty, and every episode I'll be asking the most influential personalities in financial regulation for their input on the sector's most pressing issues. Oxbow Partners is happy to support this episode of Following the Rules. Oxbow Partners is a management consultancy specialising in the insurance industry. In 2022, we were again named one of the top 10 consultancies in the sector by the Financial Times. We help our clients, who include insurers, reinsurers, regulators and investors, with everything from growth strategy to operations, technology and M&A, not to mention the impact of the increasingly complex regulatory environment on their businesses, such as the current FCA General Insurance Pricing Fairness Rules, about which you'll find lots of commentary on our website, oxpopartners.com. If you're keen to understand the challenges and opportunities coming down the track for your business, please drop us a line. In the meantime, enjoy this podcast. The regulation does have vast implications for firms and the FS sector, particularly given the sector's huge emphasis on data. Today's guest outlines the vast compliance challenges that financial services companies with a European presence must tackle to ready themselves for the world's first far-reaching set of rules, specifically targeting the development and use of artificial intelligence. She warns that more than 80% of finance firms polled are currently ill-equipped to meet a number of the key requirements of the impending European rules. She explains why EU regulators will come down hard on those who are caught out when the rules come into effect, and why and when UK could seek to follow the European approach. Charlotte Walker-Osborne has spent 24 years advising both suppliers and customers, including a number of banks and insurance firms, on their development, procurement, deployment and use of technology, and for the past five or so years, AI. Since 2017, she has led the artificial intelligence and technology sector at law firm Evershed Sutherland as its international head. Hi Charlotte, welcome to Following the Rules. Hi, Lucy. So let's start with a quick run through of your to-do list. As international head of the artificial intelligence and technology sector at law firm Evershed Sutherlands, what's keeping you busy at the moment? Well, it's a real mix of work. I worked for a number of financial services clients as well as PMT, industrials, consumer. In terms of clients not in the FS sector, that includes AstraZeneca, Rico, Smiths and a number of others. And in the FS sector, it's often harder to name the companies that you act for, but do act for a number of banks, insurance companies, some of the lender side. What is growing in terms of what's on my day list most days is AI. So last week I was working on five AI contracts. But if I would look back, say, 12 months, I might only have one every three months. And I think that is a stark contrast showing the increasing adoption of AI. Okay, interesting. And what do you think is driving that? Actually, we just recently launched a global thought leadership report into the adoption of digitalization and AI was found to be the fastest increasing area of technology that was being adopted out of global companies that we surveyed. And by quite a big increase gap compared to some of the other technologies. In terms of what's driving that, I think it's probably twofold. One, 
people have been trying to mine or monetize big data for a long time, but we have now got to the critical point where there is enough cloud and connected technology that it is the case that a lot of the data is in the right place for AI and other algorithmic technology to properly look at the data analysis. And crucially, I think there's more AI in the market. And now, particularly in the FS sector, it's very clear where it can really help out. And in that respect, I think there is a symbiotic relationship in FS that's meant just this massive increasing adoption. I would also say that the FS sector, probably more than any other sector, already had a lot of the right skill sets, has been using algorithms in terms of how they work for such a long time, has some fantastic data scientists in their team, that it was probably obvious that they would be one of the leading sectors to utilise AI. Mm-hmm. And obviously this comes as the European Union is working towards becoming the first governmental body in the world to issue draft rules aimed specifically at the development and use of AI. And the proposed rules will apply to any AI system used or providing outputs within the EU, signaling implications for organisations around the world. Could you tell us more about how that's impacting your financial services clients? It is a very, very rigorous regulation with a lot of implications on the way that firms will have to ensure transparency, ensure that they have the right data, ensure that there's a human in the loop. So that kind of oversight, this sector is, in my view, the sector that has been most aware of the law coming into force and the ramifications for them. This sector is definitely trying to get fully to grips with how they need to change their processes, their contracts, the way they may do some of the data science and crucially the governance around this technology as they use it more and more. So earlier than most other sector clients, they've been engaging with us to test their understanding, be trained, swap ideas and get prepared so that's been going on really since the regulation was published a year ago. Okay. So could you tell us when the EU rules are due to come into force? And could you summarise what the main requirements of those rules are for financial services firms of the European presence? Sure. So they're due to come into force in about a year's time. But then firms will have 24 months of moratorium where they're able to be able to comply. And so the regulation's already been published and I don't consider that there'll be many amendments. In terms of its main obligations or coverage, firstly, I'd say there's a lot in there. It's over 100 pages. The first thing to note is it has a really wide-reaching definition of AI to which the regulation applies. People struggle to define AI generally, but here, this is such a broad term. Essentially, that means that a lot of the technology already being used by firms today could be caught, whether or not you think that is true AI. So the regulation does have vast implications for 
firms and the FS sector, particularly given the sector's huge emphasis on data. And the wideness of the definition means that firms will have to be looking at whether they need to comply with the key regulation aspects for quite a lot of technology, including technology going backwards. It has a number of other key aspects, I think, that need grappling with. So their focus is on what they would call high-risk AI. If it's high-risk, there's bigger obligations, and that includes things like ensuring the data sets are relevant, they're representative, they're complete, they're error-free. That's pretty onerous. You've got to look at how you train the data, the correct statistical properties, and the law lays down there has to be appropriate data governance and management practices It's got to have traceability in its life cycle. It's got to be transparent in terms of how it works so that users, and for some FS sector clients that will include consumers, are able to interpret that output and use it. So how has my mortgage decision been made? How have you decided what to lend me, et cetera? There has to be user instructions and it has to perform consistently. And then there's a lot around the governance side of risk management, quality management, documentation. So there's a lot there. Also a lot around making sure there's no bias. That is really, really tricky. There is a lot of conversation about how something is trained. Bias can be brought in there. And then there's conversation about Should you be ensuring that the people that have either developed or are training or are working in the governance around the AI system, are they from a diverse background as well? So there's a lot of elements that are being discussed in the market around where bias could be brought in. That, I think, is an area where the regulator will come down heavy if they consider bias has been introduced. And then even if it's not high risk, there's still some really key obligations, which largely are around transparency, particularly where systems interact with humans or they are used to detect emotions or determine association with categories based on biometrics. So there's still a lot of obligations around data, data governance, etc. Also, the regulation imposes penalties for infringement for the regulation with fines at the level of 30 million euros or 6% of worldwide annual turnover for certain offences, which include carrying out a prohibited AI practice. And also obligations in relation to reporting serious incidents and malfunctioning of the AI systems, which would breach an obligation under the law. And those two things in themselves will be a real focus of why people will spend time making sure they comply. So there's a lot of work to be done. And crucially, I think, people who have data governance or explainability skills or ultimately are in the data world are going to be in high demand. Okay. And I'm interested to hear more about how firms are preparing for the changes. But before I delve into that in further detail, could you give some examples of high-risk AI that might be used in the financial services space? So in terms of how high-risk AI systems 
apply to firms. I think a lot of where high risk is focused is on AI that will have a technical effect on a product such as an autonomous vehicle or driving how a factory might operate. But the area that I think will be more relevant to the sector is around the biometric identification. And I think we're only just seeing the start of how biometrics are used in the FS sector, often really related to the banking app or something like that. But you could see how you could link the biometric information with decisions. And there's certainly been cases in the US about whether if you're from certain backgrounds, you're less likely to get loans and firms will need to be careful about how they're using biometrics in relation to the decisions being made. So there's going to be a lot to think about there, ultimately, because biometrics is in such a state of flux about where it's beginning to be used and the use cases, just something to keep an eye on. So to summarise, the reason why this is such a vast body of work for you and your financial services clients is that the rules have a far-reaching definition of AI, which means that financial services firms need to really analyse a lot of their technology to determine whether or not it applies. There's a high-risk AI category within the rules that can be difficult for financial services firms to consider how that applies for them. There's a requirement for firms in general, but including financial services firms, to be able to explain the AI underpinning their decisions and a related requirement for transparency around any decisions that are prompted by AI technology. And that in the round is what the rules are requiring firms to do. And that's a huge chunk of effort, I imagine. Yeah, and that's a lovely summary. It's a huge amount of effort because ultimately it is so wide reaching and there's a lot of proof that needs to be there. For the AI systems, for example, you have to be able to show if there's an issue that you've rectified non-conformities, you have to have a monitoring system to evaluate performance of the system. There's just a lot of rules about what you need to do, whereas even though this sector is already highly regulated in terms of oversight for key technology, it's not always so prescriptive. So I think that this is the added layer of complexity plus another example of another area where there's high high fines for getting it wrong and ultimately negative publicity mm. and because it's the first big piece of legislation of its kind firms need to be seen to be ensuring a high level of compliance so mm. yeah I think a lot of effort Lucy is involved in ensuring you're fit and ready to comply as a firm. So how ready are financial services firms for these changes now? So in terms of what we're seeing, the financial services sector is actually Evershed Sutherland's largest sector that we act for. We act for such a huge number of firms and sector clients. By the time they come to us, of course, Lucy, they know that they need some help. So I suppose what is harder to say is what about all those firms? are not coming to us? Are they engaging with it themselves? Are they using other advisors to help them? That's the bit we don't know. But certainly for our clients, they are fully engaging and have been for some time. We, as mentioned before, 
conducted and released actually a month or two ago some global thought leadership around adoption of digital technologies and AI was one of those. It was based on a survey of 700 senior professionals. We conducted it in November 2021 and of those 700, 20% were in the financial services sector. So we did ask some specific questions by sector around how prepared people were for digitalization and a particular question on AI. And so whilst I say, I think firms that we are acting for will be in a good place, that is on the basis that they have around three years to do that. Where they are now is they're just grappling with it. So if I look at some of the statistics, only 16% have a board level sponsor for programs which will involve data-driven decisions affecting humans. Now that needs to be 100% by the time the rules come in. And so I'm naturally optimistic, but when I say I think firms are, are getting in a good place, that's because three years out, they're really grappling with the legislation. Mm-hmm. The report does have some really interesting statistics in there. We found most of the clients have really enjoyed the benchmarking aspect of it. So we're at the start of our journey, for example, preparing for AI, but where are other people? And so in that respect, we've done the report largely at overall sectorial view, what we're going to be doing for the FS sector specifically fairly shortly is giving a bit of a breakdown and some of the statistics and findings by sector, which again, I think will be a good benchmarking tool and also just really draw out the things that we think are really critical in terms of activities and processes that need putting in place for compliance to be ready, ideally in a year's time, but certainly in the next three years. Okay, interesting. I look forward to seeing that. And we've discussed what the risks of not being ready are in terms of the penalties that the rules introduce, which you can see with help and focusing attentions because those could, if triggered, require firms to pay quite a large chunk of money. But are there any other risks of not being ready? And Could we expect any regulatory forbearance for those that aren't? Yes, good questions again, Lucy. There's lots of other risks. One of the biggest risks is tech-lash, this implication that people have a backlash to the misuse of technology, data use, and AI is obviously in the centre of all of that possibility. So we've already seen significant drops in share price or company valuation for big tech where use of of technology and data has been wrong. And I think that that will be even more the case for AI technology going forwards. I do think that regulators will look to come heavy on financial services sector in terms of forbearance. Well, I would say that there's the 24 months moratorium where there's chance to fly. So after that, regulators will want to make sure that um, they are seen to be regulating such an important area. So I'm not sure it will have as much wriggle room. Okay. And you mentioned that due to the vast compliance projects required to get ready for these rules. Financial services firms are hiring quite a lot of talent to help them specifically get there. What else should financial services firms be doing now to get ready? The key is largely around making sure 
that the current processes work or how they need augmenting for this input-driven set of requirements that are in the regulation. Because a lot of firms, as I've mentioned, are already carrying good governance, A, for how they deploy technology, but B, for how they use data. So in some ways, it's a question of looking at how that is done at the moment and perhaps what is missed or what is different for AI technology, there needs to be quite a lot of input and focus on the governance side in particular, because you would like to think already that the way that data is used, the way that technology is deployed, is being done in the right manner. But then you do really need to look at the governance around the training of the models, whether the firms are doing that themselves or perhaps more critically to look at if they are buying or deploying systems of third parties how they have used data to train the models because perhaps that's where the biggest risk is what I'm saying in particular around a broader sense of governance is looking at the onboarding process because the technology or the third party supplier may have a solution that on the face of it looks fantastic but you as a firm will need to get to grips with what data have they used have they used enough have they used the right data who has trained it have they built in an ability to have an explainable solution so there's quite a lot that needs thinking about in terms of the onboarding process to allow the firms to comply with their regulatory obligations in the AI regulation. So in some respects, that's a process point that may not that much be thought about. And that's going to be really, really critical to understand that. So a big focus on the training aspect and ensuring the non-bias. And then I think there's going to be quite a lot of focus that's needed on human in the loop because if decisions are being made and some quite critical decisions particularly if it's in the consumer area but just generally there is this obligation of clear ability to look at how decisions were made and allow a human to look at those and be able to work out whether they were flawed or not so those are areas in my view that are a key focus for firms in this area. Okay. And are you seeing any interesting trends in terms of the staff or skill sets that that firms require to help them comply with these rules? Well, there has been a lot of focus generally with AI about people within the business who do really understand this technology and are able to explain it. So we've seen a bit of that with our clients who are already using AI to a higher degree than some of the other clients, I think you'll see more of that explainer role. But I think the other trend we're seeing is potential skills shortage because this is just a major focus. So whether that is the data team itself, the data scientists, the lawyers around the data aspects, the people who will have the governance oversight key role there is already a shortage going on arguably that has become harder potentially by brexit i think the biggest area of skill shortage is data scientists and 
why I say that is, of course, in this sector, I've met an incredible team in many of our clients of data scientists. But suddenly, the rest of the world, industrial, PMT, healthcare, are all looking for those types of skill sets to a high degree as they deploy more and more AI. So there is a threat of good people within the company being poached because generally this is such a strong skill set that will be required for successful AI implementation and usage. And so a focus now should be incentivizing your good individuals to stay in the firms in the long term and think about your projections for people you'll need going forwards. Okay. And you mentioned the need for an explainer role. Where does that role sit? Well, that's a good question. I have just helped one of the largest global pharma companies with how they develop their process and systems around AI. And certainly for them, that was one of the areas that was quite difficult to pinpoint because explainability could cover a number of areas. It could be if there's personal data that a privacy expert is needed. It could be if it's about how the training is done. It's more of a data scientist role. So certainly there's lots of choices where an explainer could be. But I think the most successful solution is ensuring that a number of people know enough about the high level aspects across the board because it's quite hard to look at this on an individual level you will need someone who understands it all across the piece okay so there's fluidity in terms of where that explainer role could sit depending on exactly itself you mentioned at the start of the conversation that your work relating to ai is increasing exponentially to what extent is that related to the eu ai act well i think quite large extent because the EU regulation is likely to be the high bar, I am personally spending a lot of time and with my team counselling companies, including in this sector, around what processes they need to put in place, what it means or could mean for them, not only because of the extraterritorial reach, but because they want to have as far as possible a uniform approach where they're own companies are global or more than one country. So I spend quite a lot of time looking at what this could mean for their business overall and also their appetite to risk because it is always hard to comply with wide-reaching regulations. It's a hugely interesting area, but there is a lot to think about. The regulation says there's going to need to be reporting of serious incidents and malfunctioning so because it's going to be so wide-reaching and because firms have so much technology I think that's the area that is probably the thing they need to think about because a lot of people have found reporting of data breaches to be onerous and so now we're adding some other reporting around serious incidents that needs to be factored in so there needs to be planning for bandwidth for that one processes of how to even capture that and who's going to capture it but two how are they going to deal with it and who's going to deal with it that's the area I think that needs thinking about more by companies and firms 
We have discussed the far-reaching application of the EU's AI Act, and I could imagine that that will have a range of implications for the development of AI regulation globally. And you've also mentioned Brexit and the UK government is in the midst of a vast effort to rethink the UK rulebook as it unpicks the UK rules from the EU rulebook. Can we expect any UK equivalent to the EU AI Act? Yeah, I would say almost certainly. The EU often sets the standard or the starting point that many countries pick from. I think that will be the case with the AI regulation. There is commentary and discussion about whether it is too far-reaching. I would certainly like to think about a pared-back version of that definition of AI, which arguably is so wide-reaching that it perhaps puts too much administrative and monetary burden on companies. But I have no doubt that the UK and the number of other countries will follow some similar aspects of the regulation. And when would you expect that to be introduced? I would expect that we will see something in draft form within the next year. Again, there'll be time to comply. Okay, interesting. And the UK is undergoing a vast rethink of its rulebook post-Brexit, as I've mentioned. What other changes would you like to see in the AI and tech sector as part of that? I'd like to see more investment when you look at the kind of figures of what the government is putting into the digital sector. That is really small numbers compared to the talent and potential that we have in terms of skill set, not just of AI, but actually in financial services regulatory to really be leading in this area in terms of supply or certainly one of the top three countries. And I think that does need quite a lot of investment and then I think clear rules so the government is on with that trying to get some clear rules in place I think for me you can't talk about AI without talking about data privacy that the information commissioner in the UK has issued so much guidance uh, hundreds of pages around AI and has been consulting in this area but what I'd like to just see is whether it's data privacy or the AI specific regulation, nice, clear regulation, hopefully not too wide reaching, but covering some of the key points that are needed, which is ensuring this non-bias, ensuring enough transparency that people know and can make informed choices about whether they want to use the technology, which hopefully will be to their benefit but that is important I think that's going to be difficult and what will be really helpful is some real guidance around what that means in practice because if you read the 108 page regulation it is quite hard to work out what some of that will mean in practical terms and I'd like to see the UK being clear around that Okay, well, thank you very much, Charlotte. There's a lot of action points in the conversation we've just had, and it seems like you're going to be incredibly busy over the next few months, if not longer. So thank you very much for taking the time to speak with us today. Thank you, Lucy. Some really insightful questions. Good to talk. You've been listening to Following the Rules with Lucy McNulty. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd be very grateful if you could rate, review and subscribe on all the usual channels. It helps other people get to know us too.